Well, good Friday evening, everyone, and we welcome you to this um, most unusual circumstance and uh, a service couched in the middle of a pandemic, and uh, we continue our social distancing. And so here we are this evening. Our pastoral staff is here. A couple of our musicians are here. Our production sound guys are here, but the auditorium is, uh, continues to be empty as our governor and others, as you well know, continue to ask us to social distance. It is a special day, however, and I know it's been a windy but yet beautiful day, and I trust you've been able to quiet yourself, and as you gather there in your homes, I trust that we can have a meaningful service this evening. It's not going to be a long service. Uh, let me just remind you what we're going to do. We're going to just uh, read the story of the cross and the death of the Lord Jesus. We will sing uh, several hymns of the cross and of the blood of Christ. And towards the end, as we're winding down, we will then partake together of the elements of communion, the bread and the cup. Uh, let me just suggest, if you're not already prepared for this in your home, that maybe when we begin to sing a hymn, you can go in the kitchen and find some bread or Ritz crackers or saltines. Um, you might ask the question, is any kind of bread okay for tonight it is? Um, we often, when we take communion, we'll use unleavened bread uh, uh, or crackers without leaven in it. Leaven in the Bible is a, a, a type of sin. It is a symbol for sin. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump of dough or bread, and that speaks to the way sin permeates. And yet we know, praise God, that he sent Jesus Christ to take the leaven, take care of the leaven or sin in our lives. And for tonight, we're not going to worry about that. What unusual circumstances uh, we are in. And uh, generally, communion is something that we exercise or practice when the church is gathered. It's not something that we just do on our own after supper. It's something that was instituted for believers. It is addressed in Scripture uh, for the body of Christ gathered. And, and so tonight we're gathered, but we're separate. And uh, we are together, but we are apart. Um, that's just the way it is. And so uh, some crackers or some bread that you could break, and then any kind of, of drink or juice, go ahead and just use it in cups there, juice glasses from your kitchen. Have that ready, um, and, and we'll partake together just as though we were in church together. Why don't I pause right now and let's just have a word of prayer and let's commit this service to the Lord. Heavenly Father, this Good Friday, we want to pause and we want to quiet our hearts. We ask that your Holy Spirit would clear our minds and help us to focus. In some ways this week, we've had to stop and remind ourselves that it's Good Friday and Easter weekend. It, it doesn't feel that way to us. And we find ourselves in our country and in our world today in these most unusual circumstances, and we are uh, not used to this. This is something that is foreign to us, and, and yet here we are, and we thank you that you are in the midst of us. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that Jesus Christ uh, loves his church so much that he gave his precious blood for us. And so tonight, Lord, we just want to reflect. We want to reflect upon the blood of Christ we want to reflect upon the cross of Christ. We want to reflect upon your great love for us. Help this to be a meaningful time now as we are gathered as families and individuals around our televisions in our living rooms instead of here together 
in the auditorium. We dedicate this time to you, and we ask that you would use it well within us as we celebrate our great salvation in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In many ways, Good Friday and the story of the cross is a love story. I mean, just think about it. The most familiar verse in all the Bible is certainly John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In that part of that sentence and in that phrase, gave his only begotten son, we have the story of the cross. We have the story of Golgotha. We have the story of our Lord carrying his cross and Joseph of Arimathea picking it up and, or the, the, the other Joseph carrying it for him to, and Joseph of Arimathea giving him his tomb. And, and we have the story of the weeping of the beloved there around the Lord Jesus. And we have his words from the cross. And yet in it all, it is a story of God's great love for sinners. Paul put it this way in Romans uh, chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth. Another translation says, but God demonstrates. The ESV that we've been using uses the word shows. But God commendeth, God demonstrates, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you get that? This is how God demonstrates or shows his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul put it this way in his short letter to young Pastor Titus, in Titus chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. Paul wrote this, listen to the language of it. But when the goodness and the loving kindness, but when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Think of it, out of the love and the kindness of our Heavenly Father, he made a way to help helpless people. He provided a substitute for us, someone who was worthy, someone who could go to the cross and take our sin upon himself. And yet, he was the son of man, but he was the son of God together. And he then that third day could rise from the dead, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Uh, but our sin put him there. And that's God's plan. And I just want to remind us of the love of God as we begin tonight and that it was out of his great love that he demonstrates for us this kind of great work where Christ would take our sin to the cross we're going to intersperse some hymns tonight, and let's pause right now as Pastor Mark comes, and, and let's continue with that theme right there of the love of God seen in the cross of Christ and that familiar hymn, How Deep the, love, the Father's Love for Us. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast. 
surpass beyond all that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father's turns his face away as are the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice all out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath had I want to encourage you and invite you to reach for your Bible at this time. Uh, tonight, our scripture will not be on the screen. We're going to read from our Bibles. And I've invited our pastoral staff, Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, Pastor Everett Vacature, our associate pastor, to join me here on the platform. And we're going to take turns and we're going to read um, much of Luke's account, Luke's gospel account of the the death, the trial, and the death of our Lord Jesus. I want to remind you that Luke was not an eyewitness. Uh, Luke was one who did extensive research, and he interviewed many people, and this was the account that he recorded 
for us, for all of history under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So at this time, we will have some extended uh, scripture reading and passages of scripture taking turns between our, pa- our pastors. Pastor Mark now begins with the story of the arrest of our Lord. Luke twenty two fifty four to 62. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You you also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, You will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders and the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. We now begin Luke chapter 23. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man, but they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee even to this place. 
When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself, uh, who was himself in uh, Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but Jesus made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. And then, arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish him and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus Over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. They will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, What will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
and they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's light failed... And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt Say 
was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb, and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Die. 
read the account of his arrest and his trials and his crucifixion, but you'll recall that it was uh, there on the evening that he was betrayed by Judas that he had met with his disciples in that upper room, and there he knew uh, what the next few days would hold, and he taught his disciples. John tells us that it was then that he had uh, taken off his garments and wrapped himself in a towel, and he had washed the feet of the disciples. Peter, the one who would betray him shortly thereafter, was the one who, when he realized why the Lord was doing it, begged the Lord to wash not just his feet, but his whole body. It was there that evening as they partook of the supper together that our Lord had taken elements from the dinner table, and he had used them as a visual reminder. And ever since then, believers everywhere worldwide celebrate what we call the Lord's table or communion with bread and cup. The bread representing the broken body of our Lord Jesus, the cup representing his shed blood. And our Lord, as we will read in just a moment, instructed his disciples that these then would be the symbols of the new covenant, the New Testament in his blood. This was the end of the old covenant. The law would be put aside and it would be only the righteousness of Jesus Christ that would be given for our salvation. If you're not comfortable tonight to have already prepared bread or crackers and drink in your home, we understand. It's possible that it just feels funny to you to kind of be in your living room watching your TV and to be having communion by yourself. Others of you are following along. I, I just want to encourage you, though, in heart and mind and spirit to join us here as we reflect for just a moment on the broken body of the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul gave specific instruction about this. One of the things that he warned the Corinthian believers was that they should not partake of communion if they had unconfessed sin in their lives. Communion, by the way, is for the entire body of Christ, not just particular members of a church. So if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we invite you to partake tonight in remembrance of our Lord's great work at the cross. But before we do, uh, let's just pause for just a moment and, and let's just ask ourselves, um, do we have unconfessed sin in our lives? Do we have broken relationships in our lives? Do we gather here this evening through the internet with clean hands and a pure heart? Are we harboring sin? This is a really good time to examine ourselves. Paul warned the Corinthian church that an unexamined life at the communion table was a very serious thing, and that God actually judges that. The Apostle Paul, given to the Corinthian church instruction that was given to him by the Lord, specifically said this, 
I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If you have your bread nearby, you can hold it in your hand, or if you're using a a part of a loaf of bread, break it off and and share it with those that are in the room. Maybe fathers, break the bread and, or the crackers and give it to your children at this time. Pastor Mark comes now, and as we hold the bread in our hands, let's bow our heads together and let's thank God for the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we bow our heads before you and we want to give thanks. We want to give thanks as our Lord Jesus did on that night many years ago and gave thanks, broke the bread and gave thanks. We thank you for the broken bread, the broken body of our Lord Jesus, gave his life on our behalf. We give you thanks that that body represents a whole, the body of Christ, the church. And as many right now take pieces of that, they are one member of the body of Christ. And we give you thanks that we are a united body and we have a commonality with one another. Though we are of different, um, maybe uh, regions, uh, areas, um, ethnicities, we are one in Christ. And we give you thanks for that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so it was that our Lord Jesus, who went to the cross, taking our sin, he who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us. He took our sin and identified with our sin in the mind of the Father. The Father identified the sins that we had committed, the sin which we were guilty of. Our Heavenly Father identified that sin with Jesus Christ and allowed Him to substitute in and pay the penalty for us. And there He hung on the cross, our sin causing His death, and that's represented in the broken bread tonight, His broken body for our sin. As our Lord said at the table that night with His disciples in the Passover, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this now in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. It was in the same way after the supper that our Lord then took the cup. Do you have your cup prepared? Um, Some kind of drink there and cups. We'll give you just a moment if you're still getting them ready. The cup then reminds us of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us clearly that apart from the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so you see why we use the the bread, we use the broken bread, we use the cup. It reminds us of the transfer of our sin. It reminds us of the ability for us who are sinners, who have no ability or capacity to save ourselves from our own sin, but by looking to Jesus Christ like the thief did on the cross, by looking to him in faith, 
by the grace of God, we receive then the righteousness of Christ given over to us. And the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all sin so that our heavenly father then can look at us as being just and sinless. And the righteousness of Christ in the mind of the father then is identified with us. We who don't deserve it. You see how humbling this is? While we hold our cups, Pastor Everett now comes to lead us in a word of prayer. We continue to quiet our hearts and bow our heads before the Lord and thank him for the shed blood of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you on this, this day that we call Good Friday. Good because of the good love that you gave to us. This day of which we remember the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who laid his life down. Nobody took his life, but he freely gave it so that our sins can be forgiven. And now we remember the shed blood of our Savior. When he prayed in the garden that if there was any way that this cup could pass in drops of blood from his prayer and his anguish, as they took him away and they beat him, they whipped him, they placed a crown on his head as his blood was shed. And they hung him on a cross, put nails in his hands, nails in his feet, to hang him in the most disgraceful way, to punish him, to hurt him. And he did this willingly for us, shedding his innocent blood, his sinless blood, so that our sins can freely be forgiven. Father, we praise you for your sacrifice. Father, thank you for shedding your blood so that our sins can be forgiven. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So there at the Passover table with his disciples, our Lord implementing this ritual for his church, this act of remembrance, held the cup and he told his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul added a footnote in his teaching and he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As a testimony of remembrance, let us partake together as grateful believers in Christ. Do you recall then that as they concluded their dinner in that Passover dinner that night, the night that Judas would betray him, Judas had gotten up and left. Our Lord then went up to the Mount of Olives and there he prayed in the garden. The disciples that he took with him, Peter, James, and John fell asleep. But before they left the upper room, do you remember what they did? They sang a hymn and then they departed. We want to conclude this evening with a hymn it's a hymn of rejoicing about the blood of Jesus Christ, and it uh, very well, eloquently speaks 
to the point that the blood of Jesus Christ is given on our behalf. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to join me in the pulpit as we conclude on this hymn tonight. The blood of Jesus speaks for me. Be still, my soul, redeeming love. Out of the dust of Calvary is rising to the throne above. There is no vengeance in his cry while it is finished fills the sky forgiveness is the final plea the blood of jesus speaks for me my heart can hardly take it in he pardons all my guilty stains surrender all my shame to him he breaks the curse of every chain my sin is great but greater still the boundless grace his heart reveals a mercy deeper than the sea the blood of jesus speaks for me accuser makes the claim that I should die for my offense I point him to that rugged frame where I found life at Christ's expense see from his hands his feet his side the fountain flowing deep and wide Oh, hear it shout, the victory, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. Worthy is the Lamb, Lamb for sinners slain, Jesus, Lord of all, glory to his name. Heaven crying out, let the earth proclaim, power in the blood glory to his name worthy is the lamb lamb for sinners slain jesus lord of all glory to his name heaven crying out let the earth proclaim power in the blood glory to his name jesus oh let my
stand, His word will stand. I stand redeemed, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. Amazing love, how can it be? The blood of Jesus speaks for me. that's your testimony tonight, that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks on your behalf, that Jesus Christ is your great high priest representing you to the Father tonight. What a glorious truth. Well, the hope of the believer is found uh, not only in the death of Christ, but then that is all affirmed, that is all authenticated, that, uh, that is all positioned for all of eternity as a reality. Um, in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight, we continue to reflect upon the death, the burial of our Lord Jesus. Sunday morning, we gather again right here at the pulpit at 9.30. I trust you'll join us with your heart prepared as we will sing songs and hymns of the resurrection. And we will read scripture, passages of the great story of the resurrection of Christ. What a wonder and marvel it must have been after this completely devastating evening that his loved ones had experienced. And then by God's grace, I'll preach from God's word on the power of the resurrection in the life of the believer today. I trust you'll have your heart prepared for that. May the Lord bless you in your homes tonight. May the Lord be merciful to our country, our world. Uh, the virus is moving into Africa. We wanna pray for the believers in Africa and the countries in Africa, all people in Africa. The believers there have prayed hard for us. It's our turn to pray for them. Let's have a benediction now and let's close our evening and yet again, let's thank God for the blood, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And so, Father, it's been good to gather around your table again, to be encouraged by the passages of Scripture accounting and recounting uh, that incredible evening when our Lord went to the cross. Thank you for the great hymns of the faith that remind us, remind us of these wonderful truths. And thank you, Lord, that our Scripture tells us, and based upon the fulfillment of Scripture, our Lord had to rise again that first day of the week, and what joy that brings to our hearts. Father, would you encourage each one in their home tonight? We pray that you would be merciful and you would stop the spread of the virus. Pray that you would restore our society back to norm. We pray for the believers in Malawi, Africa tonight, in Togo, and in Ghana and other places. Uh, your people are everywhere all around the globe, and we pray that you would preserve your church, that you would grow your church. We pray that you would be merciful and that you would spare the lives of these people. I pray that in the midst of this, many people would come to Christ. We thank you now for a quiet evening in our community. We ask your blessing upon each one of us in Jesus' precious name, and we close with grateful hearts for our salvation in Christ tonight. Amen. God bless you.